<clears throat> Take your Bibles right now. Open them up. Book of 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Look at verse number 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient coming patient waiting for Christ. Our Father, I pray that you would bless us today. I pray that we would... uh, Zoom in in your word and, and, and take it in, understand it, that we might live it out. Guide and direct us in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. <clears throat> October has been designated Pastor Appreciation Month. Now, this is not a solicitation for anything. It's just an introduction. But if you're so inclined, a 57 T-bird, <laughs> hey, that would be great just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, In finishing his letter, Paul uses the word finally to change gears and get even more practical than he's already gotten. He's been a lot of doctrine, talked about a lot of doctrine in the first two chapters. And now he uses the word finally. Uh, He said some practical things, but now he uses that word finally. and, and, And now hear this, as he gets even more practical in his writing to them, in his epistle to them. It marks, again, as I said, a transition from more doctrinal content to more practical content. In the first five verses of chapter number three, he writes about what he wants for for them and from them. His pastor's heart is on full display in these five verses. Uh, As your pastor... I'm going to use these verses to show you the pastor's wish list. The pastor's wish list. So number one, I covet your prayers. I covet your prayers. He begins here in verse number one by saying, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may, be, may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. It uh, doesn't get, get much more practical than that. Pray for us. I covet your prayers. I desire that you pray for me. I need you to pray for me and my family. And right now, while my family is kind of scattered uh, all over the United States, uh, my family is uh, at home is, is Renee and I. We need your prayers. Uh, We're together 24-7, and there are times that I drive her absolutely nuts. I know I do. And there are times when she, no, there's not. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm very needy. (laughs) She teaches all day long, third and fourth graders. And uh, I, I will walk by her class on purpose and just listen to her talk and and uh, teach, and she's an excellent teacher. She's a, she's a fantastic teacher. She really is, and uh, she's on all day long, and that's hard, but I'm not teaching this year. I am not on all day long. I am, let's see, how would you put it? 
alone all day long. And so we get in the car, and she kind of goes, and I start, (laughs) and I expect her to be on the rest of the night. So I know I drive her nuts uh, and all of that, but we need your prayers. We need your prayers. Paul says here, I need your players, prayers for two things. He says in verse number one, for my delivery, for my delivery. Look what he says. Finally, my brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as, as it is with you. Uh, pray for my delivery. That's when I am preaching, when I am teaching, when I am sharing God's word, that it might have free course, that it might be glorified, that it might work in people's hearts and do the job that God has called us to do. Amen. Before you come here on any Sunday morning, on any service that we have, you ought to have prayed for your pastor, prayed that God would give him exactly what to say they might touch your heart. Amen. You need to be in prayer for me about what I'm going to preach. Amen. Be in prayer for me as I deliver this message to you so that God will speak to your hearts. Amen. I guarantee you that if you pray for me weekly, and if you pray for me uh, as I preach and give out the Word of God, you'll come in with a more expectant attitude. You'll come in looking for what God has for you. You'll come in listening better. You'll come in wondering, where is it that, that God has something for me in this? And you'll listen to every word, and you will be better off because of it. Amen. And I need your prayers because of that. I am sharing God's word. Did you pray for this service? Did you pray for this sermon? You need to pray, and I need you to pray for me. I covet your prayers. Amen. I believe with all of my heart that an imperfect man, and I am an imperfect man, don't say anything. I am an imperfect man, can preach a perfect sermon when rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's God working. And God needs to work through me to preach that message. And you need to be praying for me that that happens. Amen. I covet your prayers for my delivery. He also says, for my deliverance, in verse number two, for my deliverance. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. He says, you need to pray for me as I deliver God's word, that the word of God might have free course, be glorified, that it would work in hearts like it did in your heart. You also need to pray for me that I would be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. The words carry the idea of perverse and evil. You need to pray for me that I would be delivered from perverse and evil men. Satan's workers seeking to destroy. That's who they are. Satan's workers seeking to destroy. Without being overly dramatic, Satan would love to destroy me and my family. There's no other way to put it. I need your prayers. I covet your prayers. I need you to pray for me, for my family, on a daily basis. I know you have done that. I know some of you do it all of the time. I know that uh, while I was hospitalized, uh, you prayed for me daily, and thank you. I can't thank you enough. And, and uh, for the most part, uh, physically, I'm doing great. 
You know, I told you before, I get a little uh, tired at times. My stamina is coming back. Every now and then, I will get a little bit uh, uh, unstable on my feet. I don't fall or anything. I've never fallen yet. Uh, that's when it happens, right? Uh, I've not fallen yet. But now and then, uh, when my momentum changes, and I'll, I'll joke, momentum is everything. Once I get moving in a direction, I'm good. Don't cut me off. You know, because if I get cut off and get, have to turn in some other direction, then my head kind of goes, uh, my mind. Let me pray for my mind. It's not doing as well as my physical body. Oh, I can think straight. Don't get me wrong. But every now and then I'm grasping for words. Every now and then uh, there, there, there's a word that's out there and I seem to can't get it. And, and while most people don't even notice it, I do. It bothers me. And, uh, you know, not all the way back yet in that. And uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, uh, my wife teases me about every now and then I will slur my words. Uh, Slur some words. And you probably don't even notice it, and that's a good thing, but now you'll be listening for it. Uh, She said a couple weeks ago uh, that uh, the word I was slurring was judgment. I was saying judgment. The judgment seat of Christ. I tried to explain to her she was being too judgmental. But... uh, that didn't, that didn't work at all. Uh, so, you know, I would like to get it all back together again. We're just over five months uh, from the stroke, and, and God has been amazing. There's no getting around it. And I'm impatient. You ever been there? You ever been impatient? Uh, you need to pray for me. And I just, everything's good. Uh, I could be dead. God's been good. Everything's great. Amazing. But I covet your prayers. That's my wish list. I covet your prayers. Number two, I count on your faithfulness. I count on your faithfulness. Look at chapter number three, verse number three. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you, And keep you from evil. God is faithful. I think we need louder amens than that. God is faithful. All of the time, God is faithful to us. It is one of the central themes of Scripture. Much of the Old Testament and many of the Psalms are dedicated to showing the unfaithfulness of Israel and the faithfulness of God. Our God is faithful. Before we pounce on Israel too much, we've got to understand that we're not always faithful to God. We've got to remember that that word faithful is a, uh, an all-encompassing word. It's not, you, not like you can be 75% faithful, 90% faithful. Can you imagine coming home after a long day of work? You know, Honey, I was mostly faithful to you today. Wouldn't go over too well. God is faithful to us. Not mostly. Always. Go in your Bibles to Lamentations chapter number 3. Lamentations chapter number 3. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, if that helps you. 
Lamentations chapter number 3, verse number 21. Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 21. These verses have been put on plaques. These verses have been written down on anything and everything, and you might have one in your home someplace at all. But set the picture for it. The book is called Lamentations. It is a book of laments. It is a book of cries, of, uh, of prayers to God, because Jeremiah, as he writes this, is walking through the streets of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar has destroyed the city. Nebuchadnezzar has slain most of the people in the city. Nebuchadnezzar has dragged off to Babylon a huge number of people, including many of the young men and women that that he thought could serve him in his courts. Among them, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This place is in ruins, the place they love. The temple has been completely destroyed. It's gone. And Jeremiah is walking through Jerusalem, kind of looking around saying, why? But then again, I know why. We were unfaithful to you, God. We didn't do what we were supposed to. We didn't keep up our end of the bargain. We didn't do our duty. And then he says in verse number 21 of Lamentations chapter number 3, This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And read the rest in your leisure. He said, I remembered that God is faithful. Even in punishing me, even in spanking me, even in spanking our nation, Jeremiah says, God is faithful. Amen. And today, we need to understand that the Lord is faithful in everything that he does. He is faithful. New Testament, 1 John chapter number 1, 1 John chapter 1. First John chapter number one, verse number nine. First John chapter one, verse number nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah, what a savior. When we blow it, when we do that stupid, stupid, selfish thing called sin, we come to God confessing and forsaking that sin, he will forgive us. Do you know why? He is faithful. Amen. He is faithful. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. This is even better than going to God after we have sinned. Is understanding our God is faithful. We don't have to go into sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. God does not send a solicitation to evil in our life. God does not send some some sin to tempt us to, to see how we will do with it. He is God. He does not use sin, period. God does not send sin on our way. We can't, when we sin, we've chosen to sin. God doesn't send it. You know why? He's faithful. What does he do? He promised that he won't allow to Satan to send a temptation that is stronger than we can handle. 
And he sends, God sends with each temptation a way to escape. Hallelujah. We just got to look for it. We just got to pray for it. God, help me see that open door that I can get out of this temptation. He said it would be there. He's faithful. Not mostly faithful. Like it's not going to be there once for you. It is always going to be there. Hallelujah. Because God is faithful. Go to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. Verse number 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23. Let's hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Hallelujah. We can hold fast the confession of our faith because God is what? Faithful, and he will finish what he has started. Amen. Every promise in the book is mine. And God will make sure all those promises come true. If the worst thing on this planet happens and I die, I know. I know you may not feel like that's the worst thing on the planet, but that's another story. I'm going to heaven. Because I've been promised that promise by God. Well, how did we put it last week? Who does not lie? No. Who cannot lie? He has promised. Amen. I can Trust him. Do you want the faithfulness of God ought to motivate us to be? That shouldn't have been a tough question. Faithful. Faithful. Uh, We're not 100% faithful to God. But we should be moving in that direction. Amen. Moving in that direction. Remember, faith is not belief without reason. It is trust without reservation. When is God right? Always. Always. That's what we need to trust. You're right. You will only do right. You are faithful to me in every way. I will trust you completely. Wow. It's not something too spiritual to do. It's something that everyone in here has the capacity to do. We just need to do it. Amen. I count on your faithfulness. Not to me, to God, who will always be faithful to you. Amen. I covet your prayers. I count on your faithfulness. Number three, I need confidence of your obedience. I need confidence of your obedience. Chapter number 3, again, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Verse number 4. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that you both do and will do the things which we command you. Wow. Paul said, I want you to obey. I want you to obey me. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. 
Hebrews chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17. Those of you who have been attending church for uh, any length of time here at this church and have heard me preach any length of time, I am uncomfortable promoting myself. I do not do that. If I do it, I try to have a, a reason to do it. Well, look what he says here. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I, I don't know exactly what this verse means, uh, that uh, I will give an account for you. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't get what that means completely. Got to be honest with you. But I do know what obey them that have the rule over and submit yourself means. It's not when we're standing in the hallway and I tell you to do something, you have to do it. No. It's the idea of I'm standing here preaching the word of God. And when I'm preaching the word of God and rightly dividing the word of truth and preaching from God's word, thus saith the Lord then you have a duty to go out of here and live that out. Amen. It's not, well, you know, that's what he thinks. Wow. That's not what it is at all. It's, was it God's word? That's why I tell you, bring your Bibles, check it out, check me out. If I'm telling you something that's not true, tell me. That's what the book says. I endeavor to preach the word of God to you. I don't give you too many of my opinions. I do share my opinions. I like them. They're mine. But I believe they are derived from Scripture. But my opinions, you can take or leave. You ought to take them. But you can take them or leave them. When I preach, thus saith the Lord, you don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. It is God who is speaking, and we must obey. Amen. And that's what he's talking about here. Obey them. Submit yourselves to them because they're talking to you for the Lord and from the Lord. And they're going to have an account. And that's not going to be profitable for you if you chose not to do those things. Wow. Go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I gotta be careful here. I, I got a couple of my pages are hanging on by a thread. <clears throat> Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse number four, as and we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that you both do and will do the things which we command you. Uh, what do you think Paul would command them? Again, scripture. Scripture, that's the, the subject of my delivery. We talked about this, God's word. When I'm preaching God's word, you've got to listen. It's not a menu. It is the word of God, and God holds all of us accountable for the word of God. 
We've got to make sure we are uh, listening to the Word of God and doing the Word of God. You need to do what God commands. It's simple and it's smart. That's where his blessings lie, in obedience. Uh, we, we sing a song, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's, that's the last two points there. Trust and obey. Uh, if I want anything, I want you to trust and obey God in all things, all of the time. Amen. I covet your prayers. I count on your faithfulness. I need confidence in your obedience. Number four, I call you to continued growth. I call you to continued growth. Verse number five of chapter number three of the book of 2 Thessalonians. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for him. Wow. He says, the Lord direct your hearts. The word direct in the New Testament here and the word direct in the Old Testament, we'll get to an Old Testament passage, they mean much the same thing. It's like same word in two different languages. The word means to make straight. The word means to get the junk out of the way that the road might be cleared to get to where you need to go. That's what the word direct means. The road to doing what's right might be smooth. I want the Lord to direct your hearts. Wow. What's the Old Testament verse? Does it come to mind? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Go ahead and turn there. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He will make it smoother, easier. He'll get the junk out of the way so that your road to doing what's right is smoother and easier. What do you have to do to do that? Verse number five, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Have faith in him to do what's right because he's faithful every single time. Amen. Is that always easy? No, because let's face it. How many of you are like me? I know more than God. No, we'd never say that, would we? But we think it because we do things that say, this is my life. I know more about my life than you know, God. So let me do it my way. And that's when we mess it up. We go running back to God and say, God, I messed it up. Can you help me? And many times, most of the time, he graciously does. It'd be easier to trust him with all of our heart in the first place. Amen? And not mess it up. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Lean not unto thine own understanding. The words carry the idea of leaning on a crutch. Now, this world will tell you that Christianity is a crutch. This world will tell you that the Bible is a crutch, and you're just so dumb, you need a crutch to lean on all the time. You know what God calls the crutch? Your reasoning. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on what you can figure out. Don't lean on what you can see. Don't lean on what you can understand or what you can reason to be true because you don't know everything. Who does know everything? God. You know what God says? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and kick out the crutch of your own understanding and I'll catch you. Amen. Let's face it. We don't understand everything. And there are plenty of times we don't understand anything. Kick that crutch out. Say, God, I'm going to trust you. Verse 6 says, in all thy ways acknowledge him. Put him in his proper place in everything that you do. And he'll direct thy paths. He'll direct thy paths. Go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Paul is carrying along the same idea here when he says in verse number 5, The Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. The Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. The road to loving God. Now, the words here are probably, as some of the commentators said, Purposely ambiguous. The words here can mean your love for God and God's love for you. It can mean either way. And therefore, perhaps it means both. He's praying for them and desires of them, and I desire of you, that God would direct your heart into loving him better and understanding his love for you better. Amen. Both need to be true. How did John put it in 1 John 4, 19? We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. He loved us and saved us. Now we should love him even more because we are saved. Hallelujah. And I call on you to continued growth in that area. God, help me to understand your love even more. Help me to understand how much you love me even better. And Lord, help me to love you better, that I might serve you better. Amen. And he said, Lord, direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. He's already talked to them about the rapture in chapter number 4 of 1 Thessalonians. He's talked to them about the tribulation period because they thought they might have missed it in chapter 2 of this epistle. And now he says, I want the Lord to direct you into the road of living for his soon return. He used the word patiently waiting. Patiently waiting. Now what does that word patiently waiting kind of picture up in our minds? What, is it, what do we think of? We think patiently waiting. Think of sitting down in a chair and going, okay, 
I'll wait. Okay, guys, you're at the mall. Your wife is shopping. And you're actually being a good boy. You're patiently waiting. You get the picture? That is not what these words mean. Okay? That is not at all what these words mean. When he says patiently waiting, he's not talking about sitting in that chair and waiting for Jesus Christ to come back. He's talking about being busy doing what you're supposed to be doing while you wait for Jesus Christ to come back. We're not supposed to be sitting doing nothing at all. The way Jesus Christ put it was, occupy till I come. The word occupy means do your business. Be about your business. He said, I want your heart to be directed into doing what you're supposed to be doing until Christ comes back for you. Amen. What are you supposed to be doing? What are you supposed to be doing? I'll bet if you just sat at your kitchen table long enough with a piece of paper, you'd figure it out. What am I supposed to be doing waiting for Christ to return? You know. You know. Are you doing it? I challenge you. Sit down with that piece of paper. Write it out. Start asking yourself, what should I be doing? What has God called me to do? I'm waiting for him to return. He will return. He's going to catch me doing something when he does return because I don't know with a date. Be busy doing what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. I've given you this illustration before. I'm going to do it again. Every now and then, my wife goes away to visit the grandkids. And uh, I'm left at home either alone or with my my two sons. She's gone. We're pigs. Okay? We are absolute pigs. Uh, We we don't destroy, destroy the house too badly. But we certainly don't keep it clean. The dishes pile up in the sink, and nothing else is done. i got to be honest with you. We're pigs. But you know what I know? I know when she's coming back. I know when I'm picking her up at the airport. And what do I do before I go get her at the airport? I clean up. You know what that place is going to look like when she comes back? Perfection perfection. You know that Jesus never gave us the date he would come back? Do you know why? Because you're just like me. And you'd wait to the last possible moment for you did what you're supposed to do. Come on. If you're not smiling right now, you're lying. Just that simple. You know what he said? He said, I'm leaving. I'm coming back. But don't you wait till the last minute to get right. You occupy. You do your business. You be about your business doing what's right until I come back. Amen. And that's what Paul is saying. I want your hearts to be directed into patiently waiting for him coming back. You be busy. You're not sitting around doing nothing until I come back. You make sure you are doing what is right. Amen. Sit down with that paper. 
I challenge you. What does God want me to do? And then determine you're going to do them. Amen. This is what your pastor wants. This is the pastor's wish list. I covet your prayers. I count on your faithfulness. I need confidence of your obedience. And I call you to continued growth in Christ. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together.